So good morning, Cornerstone. Good to see you guys. And um, man, we've had a great week. Uh, Praising in the park, uh, as Brandy mentioned, it went awesome this week. We had so much help. Uh, by the last night, I think we had 105 kids. Um, really just a great week. Uh, good weather after the, the little rainstorm Sunday afternoon. But after that, it cleared up. We had a good time. Um, we were going through the responses. We had, I think, 17 children marked down that they uh, made Jesus the Lord of their life. So we'll be following up with those. So that, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so just a great week. Um, so I appreciate all your help with that because it really, uh, just looking around, I mean, we had, I, I don't know how many volunteers we had down there working, but it had to be at least 75 most nights. Um, so it was just awesome to see everybody pitching in and helping with that. So thank you guys so much for that. Um, and, you know, we, um, uh, we get to start a brand new sermon series this, this week and kind of uh, a little bit of a play on words here, holy living. And, and we're talking about how we reflect Christ in our lives. And what we're doing is we're going to zero in and spend about four weeks talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, when I just mentioned the fruit of the Spirit... I have a feeling that for many of you, your mind goes back to being in children's church. Your mind, if you grew up in church, your mind goes back to the little vacation Bible school songs or a Veggie Tales, or you, you automatically think of something that has to do with kind of kids and fruit of the spirit. Here's what I want you to know: This is a message, right? This whole series is about a topic that we need as adults. We need to understand. We need to live it out. We need. To, to reflect Christ in our lives. And how we do that is through displaying, uh, letting the Holy Spirit grow these fruits in our lives. So that's what we're going to be talking about these next several weeks. Um, and, and so that's where we're going in this series. Um, I've mentioned several times about the, the series on TV called The Chosen, right? And, and some of y'all know about it. Some of you uh, are, are not aware of it still. Um, it's kind of, you have to have an app to download it or to watch it. Um, it's a series about uh, the life of Christ, about the disciples. Uh, it's in the second season now. I think they had eight episodes in each season. They just finished up the second season. It's pretty incredible. They have over 100 million views so far, um, which is just absolutely crazy for a Christian series. It's completely crowdfunded. Um, so they're raising $100 million to film this. Um, and so uh, it, it's pretty amazing to, to watch everything uh, take place. They're going to do eight seasons. Um, the season two ended up with the, the Sermon on the Mount uh, beginning. Really, if you haven't watched it yet, please, uh, uh, you know, let, just search The Chosen and, and you can figure out how to do it. You can download that Chosen app. Um, there's lots of ways you can watch it, but it's really powerful. We even have a few DVDs here at the Church of Season 1, if you want to borrow one of those, if you're still old school and have a DVD player. We, um, it, it's hard to find those anymore. Um, but if you haven't watched it, you need to. But as I've been watching, I, after one of the episodes a few weeks ago, I turned to Jennifer and I said, you know, I really like Jesus. And she kind of laughed, and she's like, duh, you're kind of supposed to. It's Jesus, you know. And I'm like, but on this show, he's so good. 
He's, you know, because so many times in movies and TV shows, they portray Jesus as this very serious, stern guy that's always like, you know, very. And on this show, Jesus is like laughing. He's like telling dad jokes. He's like a normal guy. But he still is showing so much love to the people around him. And I'm watching this and thinking, that's the type of Jesus, right? I mean, that's the Jesus that Scripture tells us about. Not this guy that's so serious and somber and mad. And No, no this is a Jesus that is fully human. And the reason I share that um, is because that's the Jesus that needs to be reflected in our life. A Jesus that matches up with Scripture. The Jesus uh, that that has the fruit of the Spirit in their life, right? And, and that's how we, we, should, we should be living. And so the fruit of the Spirit, it's really a test for our spiritual maturity. It, it's really, when you look at this list, it, it's a list that describes Jesus Himself. Um, David Jeremiah said this, he said, When the Spirit of Christ comes to live within us, He reproduces Himself putting these traits at our core so we can achieve godly character. Our first step then is our commitment to Christ and our willingness to grow in our understanding of how the Holy Spirit works in us. And so my question for you as we start this series, as we talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is are these things being displayed in your life? Are those words that you would use to describe yourself? Because this really is our test for Christian maturity. This is our test for how, how are, is Christ being reflected in our life? Do you really look like Jesus? You can think about these as nine decisions that will transform your life if you really take them seriously. And, and so I'll just tell you, these last few weeks, I've been pretty busy. And when I get busy, I tend to get stressed. And when I get stressed, these nine things, I'm just telling you, my life is not characterized by those nine things. Can you, any of y'all relate? You know, when you get stressed, you start about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And, good, and I'm like... I'm just like, get out of my way. I got stuff to do. I mean, that's kind of what happens when we get busy. But that kind of is, I'm just telling you, as I, sometimes when I get into sermon season, I'm like thinking, oh, this would be so good to teach on. And I get into it and I'm like, why am I teaching on this? Because it's so convicting. Right? It's so convicting when you get into it and you realize how, how, fall, how, how far you fall short all the time. And so I'm just going to tell you, as we go through this series, I'm preaching to myself a lot. I hope that's all right. Um, and I, I just, as the more I've gotten into this, the more I've realized, man, this is, this is, we need to be talking about this. This is so important because it's not a list of nine suggestions. This is a list. Uh, all nine things need to be displayed in our life. I think sometimes we get this mistaken idea. It's like, okay, we talk about the spiritual gifts. And you have a spiritual gift of teaching or administration or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, this is my spiritual gift. 
evangelism or whatever it is. And you say, and, and I've got this, but I don't have the others. We use that same type of thinking when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We, we're like, well, I'm loving, but I'm not very gentle. Well, wait a minute here. Do we get to pick which ones we have and which ones we don't? Is this like spiritual gifts? I, I, I want to challenge you a little bit and say it, it's the fruit which is singular of the Spirit, not fruits. And, what, what, and as we get into this, what you're going to learn is all nine things need to be displayed in our life. You don't get to pick and choose which one you have. And I think the longer you've been a Christian the more tempted you are to think that, hey, I've got it all together. I don't need stuff like this. I'm just telling you, you need to pay attention because this is important stuff. Uh, we're going to pick it up in, in chapter 5 of Paul's letter to the Galatians. So if you've got your Bibles, if you're watching online, uh, we'll have it on the screen as well. Uh, but Galatians chapter 5, uh, and Paul talks about this battle that every single one of us is in. And kind of the context to this is Paul is realizing there's a struggle taking place. I don't always do what I want to do. I don't always do what I should do. Again, right, we can relate with that. And that's the context that Paul is sharing about. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, and some of your translations will say you're... you're your sinful nature, or your evil desires, or your desires. So that's all. That's what desires of the flesh means. Your, your the temptations, the the sinful desires that you have. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, and he gives a list here. He starts out with sexual immorality, and that's a, a very broad term, and it's just any act of sex that's not within this protective boundaries of a marriage covenant uh, between a man and a woman, and that's the sexual immorality, and he starts with that, and then he just goes into this list of impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all the things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty strong language here. And as you look at that list, I hope you would agree with me. You're like, that's not the list that I want to describe my life. That's not what I want to be known for. I don't want someone at my funeral preaching and saying, you know, uh, Mike, this is what... No, I mean, that's not what we aspire to in life. And, and, and so when you look at this list, though, you also realize that it's a pretty good description of our American culture today. A lot of people are going against, directly against God, and, and that's kind of what we're seeing. Uh, the desires of the flesh are, are really taking control. So how do we fix it? Well, here's my first uh, thing I want to share with you this morning. And, and the solution to fighting our evil desires is to walk in the Spirit. That, that's the solution to fighting off these evil desires that are at war within us. It's simply to, to walk in the Spirit. Notice the order in Galatians 5.16. It says, walk by the Spirit and then you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. 
Walk by the Spirit. We put it the, the other way around. We think, okay, if we avoid all this evil stuff, then we can walk in the Spirit. Uh, the order is backwards, right? The, the correct order is we just start walking with the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. We draw close to God, and He's going to keep us from this evil stuff. Do you understand the importance of that? It's completely opposite. And so if you look at this, this Greek word that's used for desire here, the desire of the flesh, it means this inordinate craving where you feel like you have to do something in order to be alive. It's like it's just drawing you. It's such a strong temptation that you feel like you've got to fill that desire with something. Now, the philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal he, uh, he famously called it the God-shaped vacuum in our heart. That's what he said. Everyone's got this huge vacuum in our heart. And we turn to the desires of the flesh to fill that vacuum with money, pleasure, fame, relationships. But the void is too big. The only way that we can escape these cravings that, that have us is it's just to draw close to God, to be close with God. Until we do that, nothing is ever going to satisfy our desires. And I think that's the problem we have in our world today. It's like everybody's trying to fill these desires with things that will never satisfy them. And so the, as we give the Spirit more and more control of our life, He begins to do things in us and through us uh, to shape us, to grow us, to help us be more like Jesus. And, and so the choice really is, are we going to walk by the Spirit? Now, again, when we talk about fruit of the Spirit, I think so many people think, well, these are feelings. They're not feelings. These are character traits. These are something foundational to us. These are uh, what's our, 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 it's, it's really our moral compass. Dallas Willard said this, he said, none of the fruit of the Spirit, none of them are feelings. If we don't know that, we'll wind up trying to cultivate a feeling instead of cultivating a condition. It's a condition of our heart. It's a condition of who we are. It's just, it's, it's our, our really our beliefs, our convictions drive this fruit of the Spirit. It's our relationship with God doing it. And so it's not about changing how you feel. It's about understanding who you are. It's about understanding who you are. In Ephesians, Paul said this in, in chapter 1. He said, you Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. He marked you, as some translations say. He identified you. He stamped you. And the way he did it, the way he identified you is by giving you the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is what changes us. As, as, you, as the Spirit takes up residence in your life. And, and, and so when you, uh, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, when you have that conversion experience, you were marked, you were identified, you were stamped. And that stamp says you now belong to Jesus. And the way he did that is by giving you and indwelling you with the Holy Spirit. And so now we have to, not, we've received it, so now we've got to walk in it. And so as we go into Galatians, as we continue going, he just gave us this list of all these awful, sinful, evil desires. Now he flips it around. 
And, and I want to read with you the, the, the good part, right? The, 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 you know, how he flips this around. But the fruit of the Spirit. It's the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. And so this passage here, I love this. If we live by the Spirit, we're going to keep in step with the Spirit. And so we're going to focus on these first three fruit of the Spirit today. These first three are really conditions on the inside, right? This love, joy, and peace. They're, they're, they're really the, the, the hidden part of ourselves that people don't see as much. The love, the joy, and the peace. Uh, the next three, uh, the, the kindness, the goodness, and faithfulness. That's how we act toward other people. And then the final three, the gentleness, uh, uh, the faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are, the, uh, those are really our witness to the world around us. So we're going to break this in this series. We're going to break down three at a time. And we're going to focus on the first three today. Um, the tough part about these first three, about love, joy, and peace, is you can fake them pretty, pretty easily. If you're a Christian, you, can, you, you, can, you know how to fake these. But you also know that God knows what's in your heart. He knows what's under the surface. And so although you can fake them, we, we want to get down, we want to peel off the, the, the mask, so to speak, and get down to the real you. And we're going to be talking about these three. So let's talk about love first. How do we describe love? Love is not about what we feel for others. It's about what we do for others. That's how I would describe love. We think of love as a feeling, right? It's this feeling, oh, I'm so in love. Or, or we even use it so casually now. I love pizza. I love TV. I love whatever it is. But love is about what we do for others when we get down to it. It's no surprise, really, that love is the first fruit listed. As we go through the New Testament, we see love mentioned over and over as the defining characteristic of a believer. Our love for God, our love for others. Um, And even in John 13... Um, this is, I mean, you see how important this is. I'm now giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Again, love is not what we feel, it's what we do. I, I, I share that when I do wedding ceremonies. I often will say, well, love is not this feeling, right? Love is a choice. Each day that you wake up, you have to choose every single day that you're going to love your spouse. It's this choice because some days you're not very lovable. And some days you don't feel very loving. Uh, It's not based on feelings. It's a choice that you make. And and so true biblical love is this choice. It's deliberately expressing, uh, you know, yourself in a loving way and you're seeking the welfare the the good of the other person Uh, what's interesting too the type of love he mentions here uh, if if you're familiar with the greek there's kind of different levels and different kinds of love this is the agape love that's mentioned here in the fruit of the spirit the agape is that self-sacrificial love the kind of love that puts others first that sacrifices itself for the sake of others 
Um, the writers of uh, you know the letters in the New Testament they con- they just continually talked about how important it is um, to treat each other with love. First Peter um, chapter one it says this it says you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. John said this, he said, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Um, In Timothy, Paul said this, he said, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a, a clear conscience, a genuine faith. So we see in all this, love is so found. I mean, this is how we prove to the world that we have Jesus in our life. It's our love for one another. It's the actions we demonstrate towards other people around us. First um, Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, do everything with love. I, I, I saw this illustration this week and it was good. It's like, it, it's like if we had a thousand dollars... It would, we think that true devotion to God would be saying, here's this $1,000. I give you everything. I give you it all. But the, the one writer said this. He said, the reality for most of us is that God sends us to the bank and has, a, has us cash in the $1,000 for quarters. Then we go through life putting out 25 cents here, 50 cents there, we listen to our neighbor's problems. We, uh, we help out a kid here. We go to a meeting at church. We give a cup of water to someone in need. And, and we go to the nursing home and share our faith. And we give out that $1,000 in 25-cent increments. That's a better picture of devotion to God. Do we think of it that way, though? Do we think of, or do we think, okay, God, I'll just give you everything. Here it is. And, and you go on back on your, 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 your life. No. Full devotion, love, is, it's all those small acts of love, 25 cents at a time, that we're demonstrating to the world around us. John said it this way, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. And I just share this because, again, we think love is this feeling, this emotion that we have. And it's about a conscious choice day in and day out that we're going to seek the benefit. We're going to seek the welfare of the other people around us. That's what love is. And if that's love, what is joy? Well, joy is this pervasive and firmly established sense of well-being. It's just, there's this sense of this joy. It's like no matter what's happening around me, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. And I'm not only good, I'm joyful. Doesn't matter what's happening to me. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world around me. Our joy comes from the fact that we know God. We know who He is. We know that our sins are forgiven. We know that we will live for God, with God for eternity. We know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so nothing can take that away from us. We're okay. We're going to be okay. And so joy goes far beyond the sense of happiness. In fact, James uh, says it this way. Uh, he says, brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So how many times do you go through life and something terrible happens at work? 
you and your wife get in an argument, whatever it is, you, you go through and you say, you know what, I am joyful. I'm going to count it all joy today. Do we, I mean, it's like, James, are you serious? Is that how you really expect us to live? And he's like, yep, that is. Why? Because our joy is not based on what's going on around us. It's this, over, it's this pervasive, overwhelming, all-encompassing uh, state of being that we live in because of our relationship with God. I, I would say that the problem with our world today is we don't, know, we don't have a lot of joy. Um, I was reading a book by David Jeremiah this week, and he, and he said, I'll read a little bit out of it to you. It was, he, he's talking about this, and I kind of you know, related to it. He said, if there's one country on earth where people should be happy, it's the United States of America. Right? But then he talks about how depression affects more than 19%. Anxiety disorders affect more than 40 million people. Uh, a 2016 study showed that suicide rates in America had surged to their highest level in, in 30 years. Uh, he, then he talks about a worldwide study of 90,000 people showed the 10 richest countries in the world also had the highest rates of depression. The United States had the second highest rate, exceeded only by France. And what did he just say? What we see is that joy and happiness aren't dependent upon wealth. They're not dependent upon how much stuff you have. I think a lot of people think that. If I get more stuff, then I'll be happy, right? Money is happiness. And well, what we see is that's not the case. He says, what's this trouble that affects so many of us? I think it's more than just the absence of happiness. I believe it's the absence of the joy that comes from a deeper relationship with God. The Lord wants us to rejoice in Him. And what God has promised us transcends anything else. God has promised us joy. Throughout the Bible, the words happiness and joy are used almost interchangeably. But in, the, but in Christian practice, when we strive for the fruit of the Spirit, joy imparts a permanent interchange of heart, mind, and soul. It is well and good and even healthy to strive for happiness. But it's indescribable to experience the joy of, and the, of the love of, of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I just see this huge desire in our world around us. Like, oh, I want to be happy. I don't care if I break up my family. I deserve to be happy. I don't care if I have to, uh, to, 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 to just do whatever I want. I deserve my happiness. That's the, that's the feeling. And can I just challenge you a little bit? Do we deserve to be happy? Is that really the point of human existence to be happy? The problem is we're chasing something that we'll never achieve apart from Christ. The problem is that happiness is a moving target. Unless you have joy in, in your life, you're going to constantly be searching for something that's never going to deliver you the true fulfillment. And, and so I just see that in our world today that people are complaining about everything. Alexis de Tocqueville, uh, he called it a strange melancholy in the midst of abundance. <laughs> That's what we experience today. We have this strange melancholy in the midst of abundance. I think because our, you know, our Declaration of Independence says we, ha we, we have this pers pursuit of happiness. We think it's a, a God-given right that I deserve to be happy. I don't, and it's a self-centered desire that where we don't care what happens to anybody else, we put our needs above those 
of others. The Bible says let's flip that around. Let's flip that around. If you want true joy, it's not about you. You're going to find that joy in living for the sake of others. The good news is that the joy is something that you can have when you realize who Jesus is and what he has done for you. The joy, the joy of Christ is about a relationship you have with a person. It's something you have access to, but you can also choose. Romans 15 says it this way. I love this verse. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is how the fruit of the Spirit works. As we trust in God, as we walk in the Spirit, then those things are exhibited in our life. Just as, you know, if, if I want to, you know, grow fruit on a tree, it's not like I just walk out one day and there's fruit. No, you have to plant the tree. You have to garden. You have to water. It takes time. It takes for that fruit to, to, to develop. But the truth is, I don't make the fruit grow. The fruit grows naturally when the conditions are right. You following me? All right? The fruit just happens because that's what a fruit tree produces. It produces produces fruit. Same thing is true in our life. If we get the conditions right, if we trust in God, if we walk with God, the fruit's going to grow. We can't force it to grow. It's just going to grow by itself. And so the world is looking for this joy. They're looking for this happiness that's based on things that change. Uh, Lewis Smedes wrote, you and I were created for joy, and if we miss it, we miss the reason for our existence. Uh, Jesus said this, he said, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy and your joy will overflow. That's what Jesus says. Jesus wants us to be joyful, but it's not based on what's going on in our life at the moment. It's based on who God is. In Philippians, Paul says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. If you look through the New Testament, the Bible has more than 400 references to joy. Joy and joyful and joyfully and joyous and rejoice and rejoicing. I mean, you see it over and over and over again. Yet, why are so many Christians miserable? Have you ever thought about it? You walk into some churches and I'm just telling you, it's like, Man, like who died this morning? It's like everybody is miserable. It's like when you ask them, no, I'm happy. Well, you need to tell your face because your face don't show it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying we've got to get back to the and understand we're commanded to be joyful. Look at Paul's letter to Philippians. The whole theme of the book is joy. Paul's chained up in prison I mean, and he doesn't know if he's going to live or die, and he's, he writes a letter about joy. It's not based on your circumstances. It's based on who Jesus is. Uh, author Bruce, Bruce uh, Larson wrote this. He said, joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. The bottom line for you and me is simply this. The grimness uh, is not a Christian virtue. There are no sad saints. If God really is the center of one's life and being, then joy is inevitable. If we have no joy, we have missed the heart of the good news and our bodies, as much as our souls, will suffer the consequences. We need to be joyful. 
And so we need to wake up each day and just say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's just, I mean, why don't we just say that every morning? We just, that should be how we wake up every morning and just say, hey, I'm going to be glad today. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to be joyful today. I'm going to be happy today, not because of anything that's happened to me or hasn't happened to me, but because of who Jesus is. That's joy. It's a choice. So what's peace? What's peace? Well, peace is the sense of rest and calm that comes from knowing God. Peace and calm. Doesn't that sound good? Why do you think Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All right. The, the word peace that we use uh, today, it, it comes from a French word that means reconciliation, agreement, the absence of hostility. That's the word peace we use today. But the Hebrew word for peace had a much deeper meaning. It was shalom. And it, it, had a, 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 it really meant to be whole, to be safe, to be sound, to be complete. And so the Hebrew idea of shalom uh, was, was that everything was in alignment. Everything was whole. That's kind of where the title for this comes, holy living. It's like everything is, is complete. In the Greek language, the word for peace means to join together. And, and so it's like two opposing forces that have been separated but have now joined back together, have been reconciled. And that's, where, that's really a good idea to understand what peace is. It's a sense of wholeness. It's like everything that has broken, it's been put back together, it's complete. And so even when the storms of life are crazy around us, we can say, hey, I've got peace about it. No matter what happens to me, I've got peace. I've got a sense of calm. I've got this sense of rest that comes from my relationship with God. That's why you see some people, and I've been amazed by people who are going through some significant issues in their life, and whether it's cancer, whether it's um, you know, whatever the issue is, and they've got peace. They're like, you know, whatever happens, it's going to be all right. I'm at peace with that. Why? Because they've leaned in on their relationship with God to give them strength, to give them that calm and peace and presence that they need. And, and so Philippians 4 says this, and you've, you've heard this verse. You should know this verse, but we don't trust it. We're like, God, I know this is what you've told me, but I want to worry because I want to control it. I want to worry. I want to have stress about all this stuff. I don't, I don't want peace because I want to, to feel like I can do something about all these things happening in my life. This is what God says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's a type of peace that we, the peace that transcends all understanding. The peace that guards our hearts and minds in Christ. I, 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 I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do this. But if I were to ask you to raise your hand right now, if you don't have a lot of peace in your life, I have a feeling that most people in this room would say, yep, I don't have a lot of peace right now. Right? I have a feeling that if I asked you to do that, most people would say, Yep, I'm pretty stressed right now. 
I'm feeling anxiety. I'm feeling worry. I've got a lot of stuff. You don't understand what's going on with my kids or my grandkids. You don't understand what's going on with my job. I don't even have a job. Uh, whatever it is, I, I have a feeling most people would say, you know, right now, I'm not feeling calm and rest. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's who we are. It's a condition. It's not the absence of stress, but it's the presence of the Savior. That's why we need to have this kind of peace in our life. When we focus on who Jesus is and what He's done, it produces this deep, lasting peace within us. I'm just telling you, the world doesn't offer much peace. If you look around us, the world doesn't know the one who gives peace. And so God's ultimate, ultimate goal for humanity, it's going to be for the world to experience the peace. Right? As you read about uh, in Revelation, uh, you read about um, nations that will beat their swords into plowshares and uh, you know, referencing back to the Old Testament and Isaiah. And uh, you, you see this. You see there's going to be a time where we have peace again, where the uh, that we can look forward to that. But for right now, we can live with peace in our hearts, no matter what's going on around you. John 14 says it this way. It says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Are you seeing already how we've just hit the first three fruit of the Spirit and how we struggle? These are the basics. This is like, this, this, these are the basic building blocks for a believer's life. And we're already seeing how we're messing up. How we miss the mark. And, and I don't want to share that to discourage you, but I want to share that to help you realize, hey, we need to be living by the Spirit's power, not in our own strength. We can have the peace um, we can have peace with God. Romans 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And so... I think if I asked you how you were doing with these three, I think we all can say there's probably some room for improvement. So how do we get there? Uh, just two quick things and I'll close. One is where does that fruit come from? Healthy fruit comes from deep roots. Healthy fruit comes from deep roots. That's You've got to have deep roots. Uh, think about how you, uh, have, uh, with a literal plant, right? You don't grow fruit by focusing on the fruit it just happens naturally i was watching a news story a few months ago and they were talking about the drought out west and there are actually companies you can pay because everybody's grass has turned brown right it's not growing good it looks awful there are companies you can pay that will come and spray paint your yard green now where we live it's like a tropical rainforest here lately you're just everything green but there you they just pay instead of you can't really water your lawn, so what you do, you come and you fake it. You spray paint it green. Can you imagine that? Paying someone to paint your yard. Just spray paint it green. So if you've got dead spots in your yard, just get a can of spray paint. You'll be fine. Nobody will ever know. I think a lot of people treat spiritual growth like that. Get out a can of spray paint. We'll just cover it up. No one's ever going to know. 
Oh, I can go to church and I can be joyful. I can be happy. But on the inside, I'm miserable. Which is pain over it. No, it comes from deep roots. It comes from really being planted to abiding in Christ. You just read John 15. A whole chapter. Just read John 15 sometime and, and read about how I am the vine and you are the branches. If any man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Right? That's what, I mean, it, it comes from our roots being buried deep and getting our nourishment from Christ. It comes from spending time. For, there's not a shortcut to that. There's not a shortcut to spending time with Jesus. If you want to have love, joy, and peace in your life. J.D. Greer said this, he said, For every one look you take at yourself, bemoaning your fruitlessness, take ten looks at Christ, boasting in His faithfulness. As you drive your roots deeper into those truths, the fruit will come as naturally as roses on a rose bush. Right? That just, so instead of beating yourself up, you just start looking at Christ. And the more you look at Christ, the more you realize where you need to be. And it will just happen. It will just grow as you get your roots deep. That's why Ephesians 3 says this. Uh, it says, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. I, I would say not just trust, but as you spend time with him, right? Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And the final point I want to make this morning is that you're only as mature as your most immature fruit. I think sometimes we say, well, I'm doing all right in most of them. Well, if you're lacking in any of them, it just shows you have room to grow. You're only as mature as your most immature fruit. So how do we fix this? How do we fix this? We walk by the Spirit. Galatians 2, if we back up a few chapters, says this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I just want to challenge you today. Let's start living by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's let the Holy Spirit transform us from the inside out. Uh, over these next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to start digging in. We'll hit all nine. We'll go even farther and talk about what it means to walk in the Spirit. But this is important stuff, that we really learn how to live like Jesus. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, for your word, even though it's so convicting as we read it. I'm so, so thankful that we, as we open up your word, it reveals to us where we fall short, where we need help, where we need a hope. And so today, Lord, I pray for each and every person listening online, every person here today, that you would help us to acknowledge where we do fall short. And you would help us to let the Spirit lead us in our daily life. I also pray, Lord, that as we, as we really continue to learn and grow, that you would help us to have the peace of God that transcends all understanding. I pray for those who are worried, who came in here burdened and heavy laden, that you would help them to find the rest that, that our heart desires so much. And Lord, I pray for those who are here listening, those watching online, if they don't know you as their Lord and Savior, would right now, right here in this place, would be the time that they just say, I'm going to surrender I'm going to quit trying to control everything on my own. And I'm going to let you be the Lord of my life. 
I'm going to trust you. I want to put my faith in you. I want to walk with you. I believe. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave to conquer sin and the death. So I don't have to live uh, enslaved by these desires of the flesh. But I can have these fruit of the Spirit characterize my life. Lord, I pray for each and every person. If that's you today that would want to pray that prayer, right now, right here, would you just pray with me? Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, come save me. I believe. I trust you. Lord, become the Lord of my life. I know I've sinned. I know I need you. Right now, right here, would you save me? That's all it takes. It's just your, your, your faith, your trust, your belief. That Jesus is really who he says he is. And once you pray that prayer, God will forever change your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We just lift up your name. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So as we close today, this is your chance to respond. I I would ask that if you made any type of decision, uh, you can let us know online. There's a place to click there. You can send us a message. Uh, Here you can take out a card in the seat in front of you and just mark any type of decision that you made and let us know. Um, But we're going to worship. This is your chance to to respond with us. The cross is always open if you want to go and write out your prayer request. Let's stand together as we close.